commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Chris Comback, and you're listening to Core World News, your homeland news show for in-depth coverage and the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, here's a new segment rundown for October 10th, 2020. Reading Raptor. Good against remotes. But first, Snoke's identity is finally revealed in the Star Wars book. Now, be your host, Ben Grant Adams, to discuss... Thank you very much, yeah. Rex. You know what's lovely? more disappointing than a secret that's never revealed? <laughs> the secret that's revealed exactly. in like four paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, <sighs> I think I'm on the bandwagon of all those critics who said he never needed to get explained, you know, mm-hmm. after seeing the film. I'm kind of, I, I initially, I had wanted him to be explained and that explored to a degree in the dark side and yeah. seeing the uber villain and, and what he's all about, but ultimately like i don't know if i ever needed this this sort of explanation i mean once i saw snoke's in the jar i was just like that's all just let's leave it there let's the mind drift right there you go snoke's in a jar just figure just yeah ruminate on that for a bit i think ben was about to try to get us back on track to explain what we're actually talking about yeah (laughs) what what is this book adam like what it's the it's the star wars (laughs) book moving on I mean, buy this, this such I bought a, a, Star Wars a bunch of Star Wars books, no, no, no. and none of them were called the Star Wars it's book. It's the Star Wars book. Like, capital I, T-H-E? I don't... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's coming out, I think, later this month, uh, October 20th, by DK, which is the one who does, like, all the art of, yeah, and... Yeah, the art of. Yeah, and I think they do the cross-section ones and stuff like that, I think. I adore the cross-section books, by the way. That's my favorite stuff. I love to put myself in, like... Mm-hmm. The storage container of the, um, you know, uh, Republic, you know, ship uh, consular B1 like, frigate. Yeah. Or the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the consular ship is one of my favorite ones. The one that gets blown away in the hangar um, in Phantom Menace. I'm like, yeah, that ship would do nicely. I could do some damage in that ship. Like, they, I, I love the cross sections. Love it. I'm like, where's yeah. the bathroom on the Millennium Falcon? Oh, there it is. Like, you're good. <laughs> So, this book, DK, so what, what, meow, what meow. do we learn about Snoke in this book? Like, what is what's the substantial information? Do you have, uh, the, have the pages there, Adam? Because we should just do it. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I should have probably had that pulled up. But uh, I also I, realized I, I glanced at the pages and from uh, it looks no, like a lot of a lot of the strand cast I, stuff was sort of revealed in the novelization. But but you go, Adam, what does it, it what does it say? Oh, I finally found it. I had I had the text exchange because I shared it with Core World News. And then Grant and I had a 50 text exchange back yeah. and forth about I The Last like Jedi. So as said, we do what, three years yeah, after the film. Of course. Your second, like you pulled up like scrolling, 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 scrolling. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, like, do we put that on our discord? I don't know. Like, it's just like, <laughs> is it valuable? I'm not. We feel like you don't need to know the inside baseball what we're talking about. But at the same time, I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe I think, let I us know. know if you want to yeah. hear the stuff. Like, it's not like we're not thinking about Star It's only the ramblings of a madman 90% of the time. But it's also, <laughs> I will argue, it's thoughtful and none of it is like, it doesn't, it's not like trolly, yeah. it dismiss it. It's just like, let's parse apart a 30 second scene in a Star Wars movie for like 50 texts. <laughs> right. Right. So that happened today. Yeah. Um, so some of the stuff we learned about Snoke is that, um, I, I do like this line. It is possible Snoke himself may not know his true nature, 
Uh, that's a great that's a great start to that line. So they're still yeah. trying to keep a little bit of mystery. But he is a strand cast, an artificial genetic construct concocted by the resurrected Darcidius to be his proxy in power. The next line I think is the most telling, um, and it settles the debate that I think the three of us have been having for quite a while since Rise of Skywalker. And the next line is that Snoke has free will. You heard? Yep. But his actions Sentient and goals... autonomous being, not not yeah. a puppet. Exactly. Right. But it says the next line is his actions and goals are still orchestrated by Sidious. So he is still the puppet of Sidious, but not literally like I was thinking. I thought he was an actual like homunculus meat puppet, no free will. Right. I mean, yeah. So let me just take my lap here. That I mean, I actually thought he was a clone of an actual being. So like the actual being would have been the one we saw in the Kylo Ren series because he doesn't look anything, anything like the Snoke we saw in The Last Jedi. He's like where he looks like he came from the Shire, but he would be like taller than three hobbits. Um, but like that's the sort of he doesn't look anything like him. So I was just wondering, like, well, maybe they clone that guy. And then, you know, that was a, the thing. But Strandcast seems to suggest that it was made from whole cloth. Um, and, and we heard the word strand cast in uh, Mandalorian referring yep. to uh, baby Yoda. Um, I think that's what grief cargo thought that he was. Oh no. Um, actually our hero, the Mandalorian Jinjarin thought he was a strand cast. Right. Um, so, I mean, they haven't really explored, explored this theory much in the stars galaxy, but uh, that's, they're using this to describe Snoke. And I think it might be made from whole cloth, but it's weird. Like, why would you create a creature that looked like that? That was already like half dead, you know? Yeah. 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 Creature. It doesn't it seem to weird. make much sense. So maybe we'll learn more about Strangcast, but I, I, at least he did. He, he was a thing. And I mean, I, I have another theory on all so, this, but I'll let you guys talk about it more. So you're, all, you're thinking so. the host, the, the, uh, the template for that clone is the, the, the Snoke character that we see in the, the comics, the Kylo Ren comics yes. from Charles. Sewell. yes, that's what I was thinking. Okay. It's I'm going to hold true to my head canon that Snoke is cast from a genetic strand from Luke. I've always thought, that because the emperor was so colorless, well, it would be poetic I, for him yeah. to have created a sort of son or uh, his own kind of personal Luke that he's corrupted. You know, that's kind of that's kind of what I've always wanted to see, and so I've always hoped that would be the case. But um, there's actually there's actually some revealed. Um, I don't know if you bought that new. I don't think it's called Dark Legends book. I don't know if you bought that, Adam. I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I did. Yeah, I've read, I read it. I don't read think through it. Adam hasn't read it yet. There is I a have chapter. It, but I've not read it. There is a chapter in there where they talk about Exegol and some some uh, Sith yeah. Lord, um, yeah, who was playing with cloning technology there, and uh, yeah, the Snoke's you know host form could have come from that timeline, you know, anywhere in the canon before yeah. this as well. It so, turned really. out there was yeah. So I mean, let's spoil that. Why not? I uh, yeah. I don't know. They um, because how many people are going to read this book? It, it was I think build as young adult. It's like a scary stories in the dark. It for was a Star Wars, follow up to that Myth and Legends or Myth and Fables book that I really enjoyed. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was. Um, and there was some good stuff. Yeah. It was, you know, it was actually pretty interesting. I mean, sometimes it was kind of, you know, pithy and thin, but then they would come back and hit you with some real stuff. But this one was, I mean, huge, and it, it involves Exegol, and I, it, it, it involves two um, Sith lords we've never heard of before. Um, and one, you know, they're both essentially changing, chasing immortality, but that 
space was like a den for Sith specifically um, to chase immortality. Mm-hmm. And um, like, that's what that space was about. And, um, and hilarity ensues, et cetera, you know, tragedy and horror. And um, that all goes down. Uh, all you need to know is it's a trap. You will find that out when you watch it. Apparently. Yeah. But anyways, it does sort of lay the bed bedrock, basic bedrock that, um, you know, Exegol was a, a planet that was full of the dark side that that was astrologically placed in a way to um, benefit a regeneration. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Um, I just was Wikipediaing Strandcast to see if we were missing anything. Oh, and right. we're not. There's very little sparse. It doesn't really define it other than it has to do with cloning. So we don't know what that definition of Strandcast. That is just a Star Warsy word that's thrown out there, which, again, yeah. I love. I love when they just make a word up and we don't know what that. Yeah. I mean, to me, Strandcast means a strand of genetics yeah. Which yeah. turn into yeah. a being. Yeah. I love that. Cast and I asked into a form, right? Yeah. And I love Grant's idea. I mean, to me, as we probably most of us remember, or at least are somewhat aware of, the original version of The Force Awakens opened with Luke's hand gripping right. a lightsaber, floating yeah. through, severed hand floating through space, right? And so I love that this would be a nice little nod to that. If, yeah. you know, Snoke, or I mean, not Snoke, I mean, uh, Palps found Luke's hand floating through yeah, whatever. And work. yeah, and there's part of me that was really hoping that, you know, similar to how Howard the Duck is in the collector's uh <laughs> Yeah, things in the background of Guardians of the Galaxy. Part of me was hoping that, like, you would see in Exegol there was just a hand in a jar somewhere. <laughs> that would have right. been such yeah, a, be a wild cool moment. Yeah, yeah, wild, fuck wild. I don't. Yeah. yeah, why didn't they hire us? We're so good. No. <laughs> a lot of people. I don't. I don't think that's that would be the route for a lot of people. I don't. I don't think a lot of people needed. Well, that. That's, that's why connected. it's the right but, move. Do you need yeah, to but do it, the yeah, route for the to name a character Snoke and have like the same, you know? suffix or ending of the name as luke yeah. it just makes it feel like shadow luke or, or something like that yeah. like you're really being obvious at that at that point but you don't but, even need to make it there like just have the hand slightly in the background as this painting right. and then people can decide like we're doing yeah. whether is that is that was that was used for snoke or is that just a trophy what is that um another Subtle thing in this restraint. yeah yeah, that's that's hard. Another thing in the Snoke entry that I think is interesting, it says through Snoke, Sidious sidesteps the tradition of dark side apprentices slaying his master to ascend. That's this a, is this is very interesting. To me. Yeah, that's an important. Me, line, I think. He, he like disrupted the Sith rule of two by putting a buffer between himself and uh, the the, you know, protege. Yeah. <sighs> And maybe he kind thought of he had found the ultimate protege in Vader, but then upon Vader feeling sympathy and betraying Palpatine, he found that he didn't want disloyalty yeah. in his next pupil and therefore created an ultimately a puppet yeah. of sorts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which makes sense because he's essentially, I mean, who knows what he is? Is he a soul in a jar? Is he the decrepit monkey skeleton hanging from a jib arm that we see? And <laughs> they're like, even there, yes, it's yes. like you don't want to have a, a apprentice that wants to murder you because you'll just be murdered. Right. And I mean, to, from Palpatine's perspective, he's he kept trading up or trying to trade up apprentices till he finally got the one he wanted, and that guy threw him down a shaft. Right. So you, at that point, right. you'd be like. I'm done. I'm done with apprentices, which I kind of appreciate that we get to. That actually is interesting character development. By the time we re see Palpatine, 
he's not looking for an apprentice. He's looking for a body to take over, right? Like he's yeah. looking to just be like, no, the rule two clearly doesn't work. Uh, the jib arm me is proof of that. See, yeah, we're just Rise taking canon. At, sorry, you go, Ben. No, you go. You go. You, you're gonna. So make I just. It. I feel like we take canon at face value all the time and sort of just go by its guidelines. But I have to think maybe JJ was doing the snow. The Luke clone is Snoke route, but. Oh, but yeah, that, probably. that that changed, right? Like maybe he was going to get into cloning and get into all that stuff, but because Snoke was dispatched, that never happened. And you basically had to resort to the Emperor. You know, whereas the Emperor would have come into play, but Snoke would have been this this, this supreme clone of sorts. And it, it maybe that Yeah. I mean, canon is, is evolving. That's what we saw through the, the through the sequel trilogy. Canon evolves as the new film comes out. It's somewhat locked in stone now that we have the three. But anything can be retconned and right. changed, can't recanonized, right? We see that a lot. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I part of me is is wondering that, Grant, because I, I, JJ had plans for for Luke's hand, right? Like, there's something going on there, and and Snoke is a weird character from the start. Like, I weird, I did not dig on Snoke, to be honest, when I first saw Force Awakens, because I'm like, cool, so we have the Emperor Light. Like, what are we doing here with this character? <laughs> and so so I feel like J.J. had something more planned with that. I'm, I'm on board with that. That makes sense. I can get behind that because of the leaked rumors. It was it famously in the uh, diatribe start by Patton Oswalt in the uh, Parks and Rec like monologue that was like seven minutes of him going on, explaining what should you happen. Mean Simon Pegg? You, mean, you mean Simon Pegg? No, Patton Oswalt, right? I thought it was Patton Oswalt in oh, maybe, Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Parks and Rec. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Right. I thought you meant... We digress. <laughs> Regardless, I, I think that Stoke, Snoke was always going to die in that movie be, based on we did the, you know, the Colin uh, Trevorrow script, and he's dead there, and that script came out in 2016. So yeah. I think um, Snoke was always going to die. I like Snoke as being a... a... <sighs> a false big bat, right? I like right. that plot a lot that you just have this, you think it's, you think it's this guy. He's a Manchurian candidate. Yeah. Sort of guy. yeah. Manchurian leader, I guess. Yeah. Right. It's a fun to have a kind of rug pull villain. But then um, I also, but I think there's a counterpoint that someone could raise, which is, I think the the movie needed a threat to anchor it. And I don't know if we ever get one in the ST really like the, an actual threat other than, Kylo, who's not very threatening, he's someone you almost sympathize with. Kylo's not the threat. Uh, he's just not. Uh, he's yeah. a he's a compelling character, and that's why he's not a threat, right? Because because you see complexity in him. The threat's almost threat... plot plot based. It's almost like yeah. machinery and technology is moving. The threat in is the like totalitarianism, the like right. the war you know, machine. It, I... The war machine. Exactly. Sorry, the war machine is perfect. Yeah. It's just this war machine that's churning through the galaxy, and people are like, "What?" Like, I'm impressed again. Like and and what they've done because they seem to be, you know, even less than the Empire that, you know, they're they're less scrupulous. Even is the threat complacency is the threat because to me that the the, the biggest threat in the last Jedi in last Jedi is that no one answers that call. Right. Is the threat of uh, is the threat not standing up to tyranny? Is that the threat? Because I feel like that's a big part of the last two movies. Because the most, to me, the most triumphant it's one moment, of the threats for sure. To me, the most triumphant moment in the in the Rise of Skywalker is you know 
you know, you're not alone or whatever that right. line is, right? When when everyone yeah. finally stands up to it's there's not, more of us. It, it's it's more of us than them. There's more of us, and it's real clunky. There's a line of it's not an army, it's just people, which is not a great line, but I think it's an important line for what they're yeah. trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a hopeful message too. It's like you know when you're your kind of uh, your center of order and structure is destroyed in Hosnian Prime, Prime that that political center. You know, people are going to try and find that that structure again of of decency and kindness and 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 good rule, right? And and, and yeah. I think they'll just eventually take out whatever fascist regime, you know, that's, tries that, to take power. You know, that's really, an now message. now I'm just now I'm like going all I'm all just I'm you know. The snake eating its own tail with this whole thing. But like, so that Hosnian Prime scene, which never really resonated with me when I rewatched it. Now I'm wondering if I rewatch it with this thought, maybe it will. Because the part of it is when that, when they cut to the people on the planet, they're all just staring up at the sky. Yeah. They're not screaming. They're not running around. They're not doing anything. They're just going, damn. (laughs) Yeah. And it, which is resignation, right? So it's the whole threat in all these movies, just being resigned to tyranny. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's it's important message for now. I mean, obviously, like the greatest threat to democracy right now is trolls. And like, but the but I mean, the bottom line is there's more of us than there are of them. Like, right. And our president. But yeah, it's true. Well, he is king troll. I mean, he's king troll. Yeah, he is the king of the trolls. That's for sure. Obgoblin. Yeah. One one would say. Yeah. Uh, so, but guys, we got off track. Let's keep talking about the Star Wars book. No, I don't have anything. Else. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to read the <laughs> Star Wars book. <laughs> when is this releasing? When's the publication? Date? Uh, it's October twenty. Oh, the Star Wars book. Yeah. Yes. And here's the here's the short description. Uh, I feel like I've been if, waiting for this book all my life, guys. Yeah. If you want the good comp- news, everybody. <laughs> Uh, Farnsworth. Uh, if you want to comprehend, is this the fake ep- news, guys? Oh my the God. Star Wars book <laughs> doesn't sound right. <laughs> Give up. How much? How much book is there? Are you speaking, Adam? Oh, sorry. No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't believe this is a real book, by the way. So I'm looking at. I'm, I, almost, <laughs> I, I almost swore real bad. Well, now, now, I'm on page. <laughs> now I'm on to Grant's team. Is this really a book? And does it involve Star Wars? You know it's real because pa- Pablo Hidalgo is the author. Oh, really? When's yeah. the last what, book what the that Hidalgo is authored? The propaganda book is quite good, guys. Oh, I've, yeah, been, yeah. I've been advocating for that book for a long time. and You guys should buy it because it's propaganda wonderfully, book. wonderfully written. Sensing a theme here. All right. <laughs> I don't know. That theme? The theme is propaganda and yeah, fake yeah. news, <laughs> which is this book. Listen, don't let fake news dominate your life. But. I just love that, like, Lucasfilm's like, you know what all those other books you got? Those are good. But you should try the Star Wars book. <laughs> oh, by the way, they're advertising plan. Just the right Star Wars book. I know. From, from but that's a nice Star Wars book, but this is the Star Wars book. <laughs> the campaign is, this is the Star Wars book you're looking for. <laughs> as opposed, by the way, DK, as opposed to the 15 other books you've sold me over the past 10 years. All right. How big is Star Wars written on the cover? That's important. Uh, it takes up at least 33% of the <laughs> cover page. Good. <laughs> good. That's good. Because if it was a measly 20%, I just wouldn't be satisfied. I mean, it so is interesting. They're doing this big Snoke reveal, huh? All right. 
I mean, it's basically, no basically, it's like every other dictionary, but now I guess it includes stuff from the Rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian. So I'm sure everyone's just wanting to read. Rise of Skywalker dictionary was we kind of got short shrift on the whole cloning yeah. stuff and well, you know, dark yeah. side. Yeah, because they didn't want to do any spoilers in that book, which is like, um, but we that's <laughs> like why all we all I wanted was I wanted the Bowman Kin like diary after that movie. I know. Uh, yeah, you're right. We got the Bowman Kin diary. Where is the Bowman Kin book. diary? That would be a good seller. That would be a bestseller, honestly. Professor Exposition. Um, so <laughs> it's only 224 pages for a book called The Star Wars Book. We've done three hours on like a 30 second <laughs> promo. Yeah, it's, it's called Okay. There's no real news here. People don't think they're getting real news. Just Star Wars news. Just we change, about we the Star Wars our podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so the Star Wars book, look out for it on uh, shelves coming in October at some point. Ten days uh, from now. Ten days from now, exactly, which would be the twentieth. Uh, yeah. Good math. Great. Great. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is our reading Rathar segment for this week. Uh, we there was a interview on Polygon for the New York City Comic Con, um, and it was Susan Polo. Susan Susanna Polo. Polo. Thank you. Uh, it uh, for Polygon interviewing like a massive panel of all the authors of the high Republic plus uh, Michael meow, meow. Thank you. Singlin and Lucasfilm uh, publishing creative director. Yes. Creative. By the way, I do not have this in front of me. That's all from my brain. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Adam, for your uh, very retentive brain. So, yeah, so we got this. Uh, it was actually amazing interview. I mean, like, just first blush on this was just like, oh, my gosh, give me, like, 15 minutes in this group of authors. It's, it's, it's like Sewell and um, Gray and, you know, like, just heroes. Uh, Daniel Jose Alder, like, just, like, absolute heroes. Um, Kevin Scott, like people that we've been following closely through the comics and the novels. Um, and they're all there. These are the creative minds behind this whole new generation of um, Star Wars people, the whole new space in the galaxy that we've never seen before. Um, it was, it was awesome. It's awesome. It was just like the energy off this panel, the energy of this interview was just palpable to me. Um, just being a hardcore Star Wars fan and seeing some great stuff. So what what was your guys' biggest takeaway? What did what did you like just first blush? There was so much information they dumped on us in this, but um what did you take away from it? I mean, one thing that I really took away from it, and maybe this is points to a personal issue I have, which is always like, don't don't live for now, look what's coming in the future. Um, is that yeah. they clearly revealed and they even think they even referred to it as this is phase one. Right. This is the the higher yeah. public, the light of the Jedi. And they have uh, an adult book, a young adult book, a middle school reader, a a Marvel comic run an IDW young adult comic run. And that they clearly have a second phase plan out. The title of that phase isn't out yet. But I mean, 
I love the thought put into this process, right? That this is like, they've clearly know what the story is going to be and told through multiple formats and, you know, not to, because again, you can't get through an episode of core world news without Adam referring to Marvel movies. Right. But I feel like that's part of this, right. That they have something going through. And so part of me loves, and maybe this is a bit of a reaction to the sequel trilogy is that this is highly planned out. They have something, they know where they're going. There's an overarching, outline to the story plot and that they're all going to tie in like that just hearing the phrase phase one and phase two which maybe that's a little bit of minutia but that made me very very excited for what we're going to get yeah there's definitely a blueprint here and it feels like there's going to be a long march to many many phases that will go on into into yeah. perpetuity and, until the until the prequels honestly though this story could extend further than we know but ultimately, yeah. it's, it's, it has to do with this great disaster that they then mm -hmm. talk about at the beginning of this interview. And uh, right. not a lot is divulged because I think uh, Michael Siglin, the creative director, um, simply just gives a summation of what was in uh, Charles, an excerpt from yeah. Sewell's uh, yeah. book. Right. And it's Can, basically about... Give me a second later. here. I, I've pulled it up. I'm just going to go through the, uh, the names that are here and their associated... Um, publications just so we have this as a, a baseline here so we know yeah. what we're talking about um so Susanna polo interviewed so claudia gray is working on the young adult novel star wars high republic into the dark uh charles uh soul is the way they they um pronounce his last name i always thought it was sewell but mm. i don't think it was soul um he's doing the novel so this is the novel novel uh high republic light of the jedi justina That's ireland the book i'm referring to yeah, like this is so that's the core like canon thing. Yeah. But like this interview made me think I need to read the young adult novels, which I've never really yeah. felt that great a draw to. But if we're going to get into a whole new world, these are all synergized and put together. Mm -hmm. And um, Yeah, I think um, just in Ireland's book, A Test of Courage is uh, a book I'm most anticipating. Yes. Because, uh, it, mm. it features a 16 year old Jedi Knight. This yeah. character has already ascended the ranks at 16. Yeah. So that's pretty young to be Ernestra uh, Rowe. I yeah. Jedi yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Exactly. Uh, Daniel Jose Older is uh, the comic series High Republic Adventures, IDW. So that's and young, young adult. That's young. Yeah, young, young adult. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Kevin. Both though, or is that just a young adult comic series, IDW? So IDW has <laughs> the rights to Star Wars young readers, and then okay. Marvel has Marvel anything that's kind of like yeah, right, comics. adult readers. And um, that's the one he was uh, he's going to do some Yoda with Padawan um, series there. Uh, Daniel Jose Older is going to do the comic series High Republic Adventures. Uh, yeah, so we sorry. We just did that. Kevin Scott is going to do the Marvel comic series uh, Star Wars, the High Republic. Um, and uh, yeah. And then yeah. it was uh, Michael uh, Siglin was was also there to sort of make sure no one broke any. Um, yeah, no one broke area. Yeah, or broke their NDAs. Their but, um, NDAs, yeah. But I think what's also interesting about these authors is we've seen most of these authors before. I Justina Ireland, the name sounds familiar, but I can't remember anything we've read oh from her. No, um, I can do. I think it was awesome, but I, or I'll look her up right now. Yeah, so you look at her up. But one thing I thought was really interesting is that we've read all of these authors before writing both young adult and and full reader books, right? Adult books. And I think the plan for phase two, they already revealed that some of them are switching around, right? So so I think like 
like uh, Claudia Gray might be writing the the kind of novel, right? Like I love the fact that they're trading off through phases. That some of them are going to write. They're not going to all stick with the same area. That some are going to move over right. to comics. Some are going to move over to the to the things. And I love this. That this is the the working the inner workings of this really interesting. Right. Uh, so Justina Ireland, um, she wrote uh, Star Wars: Lando's Luck, Flight of the Falcon number one in 2018 and also in 2000 and in 2019 wrote spark of the resistance journey to star wars the rise of skywalker number three and okay. i think we did do the spark of the resistance that might we, be what i think did we not read and cover that i felt i feel like we read read and covered. we might that yeah. sounds vaguely I think we did familiar also lando's luck so she wrote these are i think she writes a lot of the middle school novels which when you know me my my you know Touch of OCD makes me read everything from Star Wars, so I even wrote these. And Lando's Luck was actually kind of a fun, quick novel. And it also reveals, this was the one that we reveal, that um, that Ray and Chewie dropped off the Millennium Falcon to um, after The Last Jedi, to, after Batu, and it was infested with... Um, Porgs? With Porgs. So I appreciate the novel for that. So she's a she's a fun writer. That's a fun book. She was awesome. She stood out in these interviews. I mean, listen, they're all legends. And like to be able to speak with any one of these writers would be the whole like high point of my life. Like I, I'm just so respect their creativity um, and what they've done in the Star Wars galaxy so much. Um, but just saying on like a personal level, Justina was like a really, really bright personality. She's so stoked about um being in Star Wars and writing, and um, I it, it made me want to read these books even more and just yeah. see see what her characters are about because she's got good ideas. She's going places, and I'm coming with her. Oh, I know I already said what my one thing takeaway was, but there was a second one, so I'm just going to cheat and do a second one that I was really excited about. Sure, just and keep on cheating there. It's the way in 2020, whatever. You're well, yeah, you know, you, you cheat to win. Uh, many, so... people, many people say I raise the best points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so are the hottest (laughs) so they announced too that they are going to start doing short stories again in the star wars insider magazine and i yes and that are going to be tied into the high republic so not only are going to have these but they're actually going to start bringing back like, because I remember when I, I used to get Star Wars Insider magazine because I wouldn't read anything in it except for the short story. So I'd buy this like $15 magazine once a month for the f- five page short story. Right. Because but there's they're going to bring it back because it's been they haven't had those I, short stories in there for a while, which I'm very excited about. I still nice. have, I think, many of those in a shoebox mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, nice. Grant, what did um, what did you see? What you love? Me, um, Obviously, again, they cover the great disaster a little bit, but I think it's just a summation of what that was in the excerpt of uh, Charles Sewell's book, Light of the Jedi, which was just when that when the the legacy run, that giant freight transport mm. uh, collides into something in the void. You know, there's some sort of like tear in, in gravity or in hyperspace. Yeah, yeah. Some, some it's weird that that was the event. And they're saying there was like pods of civilians that were jettisoned to far corners of the galaxy. Yeah, so they, they, yeah, they, there was a little bit more framing provided in the, uh, the video in which, uh, Mar- Michael Siglin, uh, the creative director said, like lots of people, cargo, you know, supplies gets dispersed across like all these unsuspecting worlds. And it sounds like, and, and what it sounds like, it sounds like the Republic then launches a sort of like massive rescue operation. Like right. The galaxy. 
five. Yeah. All hands on deck, all Jedi. Yeah, it's, it we gotta awesome. get on this. Yeah. yeah. And I am there's there's, so there's Jedi at Starlight Station, which is that beacon, that almost like beacon for wayward travelers yeah. and it's like a communication hub. Like I yes. cannot wait to see that thing. Yeah, I, so we got more information about the Starlight yeah. Beacon. It was like the, it's essentially an intergalactic lighthouse for the outer regions. It's just right. like it's a waypoint to like from which to navigate from. And it's like how to get get around. And I just love that. Concept. And there's Jedi yeah. you know, stationed there and there's Jedi stationed on that legacy run, that transport. Right. I, I imagine. Oh. And then there's there's Jedi stationed on planets seeing all that 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 yeah. transport explode. Yeah. And Do you want just like a Deep Space Nine version TV series of Starlight <laughs> Station? Yeah, I do. Honestly, I, I want to be there. I kind of just want the Lighthouse player. Star Wars with Willem Dafoe. I was going to say, like, the movie The Lighthouse? You mean? Yeah, yeah, I just want the movie The Lighthouse, but Star Wars edition. That's right. what I want. I wouldn't be you mean this Captain says Mayor Quimby. <laughs> What's interesting Thank is... Thank you, everybody, for coming to The Lighthouse. <laughs> What's interesting What's happening? No, sorry, sorry, I derailed. I'm you. sorry, you derailed me slightly. I'm trying to get back to where I was. Uh, what's interesting is it's how, what the mission of this ship, the Legacy Run, which was to deliver colonists to outer rim colonies, yeah. that, like beyond the mid rim, which is super interesting. That that means there are going to be colonies out there, essentially of core core world or mid rim colonists out yeah. in the outer rim, and that'll be a big part of the storytelling, I imagine. But um. That's interesting. Uh, then, but nothing about the Nile, really. I don't think they really went yeah, into that. Nothing. They no, nothing. They didn't talk about antagonists at all. No, they're um, playing that close to the vest. Yeah. I mean, it, we got a lot of great information about these pe- uh, the protagonists, uh, the main characters and their motivations. Um, so, but for, you know, for me, what jumped out as like the coolest thing is like all their different lightsaber configurations. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah. And they talked about all their uh, main characters, lightsabers, and each one of them had like another. I don't know, an, another. Um, well, I don't know, aspect that made them entirely different from everything we've seen in lightsabers heretofore. Right. Well, yeah, they're focusing on the fact. Yeah, they're focusing on the idea that lightsabers are are part of a person's personality or indicative right. of a person's personality, which I appreciate. Right. There. Yeah, and I mean, if I can do two here, um, I'm going to. They no, uh, no. There's no precedent for that. You're not allowed to do two. No one else did two. Wait, you did two. Um, no, you're lying, sir. <laughs> but you just did two. Everyone saw it. Um, <laughs> the uh, the other thing is that, like, so is their their relationship to the force, and that you know, I think actually Daniel Jose Alder mentioned like for Yoda. It was, you know, luminous beings are we, you know, this is, we're all interacted. We, we, the force, but like in this, each Jedi has their own relationship with the force. So there's one that's like, oh, the force is music, which of course resonated with me, no pun intended. Um, And it was just (laughs) like, oh, you know, another one's like the force is a tapestry and the, you know, the other person is the force is a mountain to climb. That it's just like, you know, I want to be the best Jedi ever. And, and that was uh, specifically Vanestra Rowe, I think, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. And, um, yeah, so that that was what was fascinating. Oh, no, you know what? Uh, Vanestra Rowe was uh, a stream connected to a river, connected to an ocean, I think, was mm-hmm. her 
uh, framing of the force. And then oh, okay. Buriaga, the Wookiee, I think his was, uh, he was one leaf on a, on a branch of a great tree interconnected with many people. Yes. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. it. They all just saw the force. I, they visualized the force differently. And then I mean, their lightsabers were different expressions. Yeah. As well. This does such a good job of explaining kind of what we see. It's it's like, a, I think it's a really classy way to retcon something that doesn't necessarily, people weren't thinking about when they're writing the original trilogy, which is we get a lot of like differing versions of what the force is, right? When we look at like Ben Kenobi talking about it, Yoda, Ben, as you mentioned, yeah. Yoda talking about it. We even get Luke's version of it in The Last Jedi is slightly different, mm -hmm. right? This is basically the idea of like, it's light and dark. There's balance. There's everything. It's everywhere. Right. So I appreciate that. Like, and Qui-Gon's version of the force is a little different. We don't get, I don't think we ever get him soliloquy, soliloquy of, on the force quite, but his version. Uh, he's like, like very scientific. He's midichlorian. Yep. Midichlorians. And so I love this idea that like everyone has their own personal connection. There's light and dark, but like what that means in the greater universe might vary. And I love this idea that we're, I'm going to say remystifying the force, which I, love like that's what the yeah. force should be it should never be explained it should be everyone's idea of what it possibly could be well said yeah i love thanks the, i thought it was garbage but continue <laughs> i loved what they said about avar chris and how she sees force uh as that's music me. and everyone's yeah. a different tone yeah. to the sort of symphony which i'm doubling down on my idea that there's going to be a kind of doomed love aspect to this whole thing and uh, someone she's gonna lose a tone in that symphony uh, instrument in that you know band or whatever you know which yeah. makes and everything a melodic yeah yeah exactly yeah he, he used a word I'd never heard before it was like it I don't know he was like oh everything is um I don't know it was like symphonic and then like asymphonic or something he used a, a word yeah. I'd never heard before but, uh, constant it wasn't like consonant and dissonant it was it was different but um yeah but I love it run run charles yeah. with your avar chris and her melodic relationship <laughs> to the force they already set up stellan geos a while back and they said that avar chris and stellan geos i think would fight back to back right many a time <clears throat> missions and whatnot i think they, they, they said, said g clef and f clef maybe i don't know but then he they were quiet on that character and they were quiet on the nile and they were quiet on a few things that we didn't really get get any new information on um yeah i'm starting to do you guys think that i have some questions for you guys so obviously this great disaster happens yeah and then we can i think we can infer that a lot of jedi survive this disaster yeah. not no one's wiped out it's really wiped out yeah but they're called to act they're all called to action called to action afterwards and then the nile have been framed as a criminal organization as well as like vikings you know barbarians yeah uh, uh we believe in nothing, Lebowski. Yeah, like, <laughs> which is interesting because I think that's going to offer a really interesting uh, uh, psychological enemy for the Jedi. Because they, just like the Jedi, there's a similar philosophy in that they don't like cling to uh, superficial or like, you know, or they don't feel they don't seek attachment per se. And right. They're, but they're but they're they're even more pure pure in terms of like just letting everything go and, and utter destruction. Whereas I think this these these books have an interesting message of. I think they're, what these books are going to say at the end is that the Jedi have some level of attachment just to not be nihilists. You know what I mean? To not right. yeah. just want to see the world burn, not to see everything burn around them in 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 seeking a nirvana of of sorts or something. You know, yeah. like that's I think that's what the books could do in an interesting way. If they wanted to. Yeah, uh, 
if I'm, these are I'm, actually nihilists. Yeah, if they are, I'm wondering if that the writers basically looked at like what do like what do the Jedi believe in and what is the mirror opposite of that? I feel like that's what the nihilists are gonna be. It's like the mirror opposite. Like we we don't believe in this, but we believe in utter attachment. Like all we have is the other person, right? So there's almost like this. We don't believe in anything greater than us other than our connections to the next human or species next to us or it's whatever. It's almost like but, the force is telling us we have to have these connections and they're, mm-hmm. they're always going to have faded paths with connections. And yeah. Inter- 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 you're, starting to yeah. S- you're starting to sound like Anakin there in, uh, in yeah. uh, Attack of <laughs> the Clones. But uh, I'm I'm, inter- I'm I'm wondering if the Nile are connected to the Great Disaster in any way. I would think so. I'm guessing. Yeah, I, if I would guess the big bad. Yeah. 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 I have a feeling. I mean, I think we don't know what the Great Disaster is, but the more and more we read about, it, and after reading Thrawn, what was the last Thrawn book called? Thrawn, Chaos Rising, Ascending. Ascending. Chaos, Chaos, wow. Chaos Ascending. Well, yeah, well done. Um, there was a big part Thrawn. about Skywalkers, right, which were the people that guide the, the the starships through hyperspace. And then they talked a lot about the fact that Jedi, or that the New Republic, or the Republic at that time, I should say, had, uh, or the Empire, like, everything was mapped out, right? And so I think, Grant, you had suggested this, way previously that this is basically they're going to lose their ability to clearly or easily travel through hyperspace which i think is why you build these jedi into this because the jedi are going to become the skywalkers the jedi are going to be needed to guide ships through hyperspace to to big parts so that's why i think they're going to become much bigger i think that's what this is going to be i think they're because we see the first the first book they're thrown out of hyperspace i think something happens with their ability to travel through hyperspace with with the mechanics on a ship that's my guess Huh. I was gonna say more. So it's gonna tie deeper my... into the like Thrawn and the like Chiss ascendancy and stuff. You think? I don't like, think they're gonna they're ne- talk about it directly, but I think that was building into a little bit of this idea that like if there's a mechanical way to travel through hyperspace and there's a force directed way to travel through hyperspace, and I think they're gonna lose the mechanical way to travel through hyperspace and so rely they need on to use the force, the force way. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, that was one of the things from Ascendancy uh, that I don't know if I talked about, but like they referred to the rest of the galaxy, which is the galaxy as we know it, as the lesser galaxy. It's like yeah. the lesser regions, you know. Um, and so eventually, you know, Thrawn slums it and goes through yeah. there and tries to figure out, you know, what what they have that they could use as weapons for the Chiss Ascendancy. But yeah, I don't know. Um, and if and you're the Nile, in that way. right, if you're the Nile and you're fighting, basically nihilists do not, I mean, if we're going to be real literal, nihilists don't really believe, as much as the joke is they don't believe in anything. In a lot of ways, they don't believe in large government. They don't believe in, they just believe in humans are able to just be humans, right? They're able to right. guide themselves. They don't believe and in so, religion. They don't believe religion, in government, right. theology. Exactly. Yeah. And so what a better way to cut people off from religion and government than to cut off their ability to travel to these places. Right. right? So it makes yeah. sense that the nihilists, if we're again, we don't know who the Nile are, but if that's what they are, if they're closest yeah. equivalent to nihilists, that would make sense that they're trying to cut people off. This is a lot of speculation. My point. Someone else talk, please. Yeah. But I mean, I was going to go down an even deeper rabbit hole. I was going to take you guys to 2004 and night. Let's go. Republic. Yeah, please do. Let's go. There. Well, I just think there's a lot of red flags uh, in their design. And I, and during that video, they did talk about, uh, obviously, one must have uh, great reverence to even approach the, the doors of, of, of Star Wars storytelling. 
uh, reverence for the Star Wars itself as in the history. But um, I, they also, I think, were referring to the EU a lot during this video, and they were talking about, you know, um, you know, presaging what came before uh, the um, these books, obviously, in the EU books that kind of sustained them when they were readers, and yeah. they kind of just hinted at the extended universe as a whole. And I was thinking, could they also be hinting at, you know? other properties and other forms of extending universe, other writing uh, in, in terms of video game writing, which is, I think KOTOR and KOTOR 2 are, are, are fun, are fantastic, yeah. you know, fantastically written games. And uh, KOTOR 2 has a character named Darth Nihilus or Nihilus. In yeah. Darth Nihilus. Yep. We're going to go with Nihilus because it supports it was, your it theory. Plays with, it, it'll play with our theory here. And um, he was, I think, affected by a super weapon that was called a mass shadow generator, and it distorted gravity. And we're talking about this great disaster mm. distorting hyperspace yeah. lands. Yeah, you distorting gravity. We have one. That's a red that. flag right there. Um, yeah. That's kind of interesting. And I think you could build a really interesting story here uh, with, with some of this stuff. So uh, they, they could be like the disciples of Nihilus. He's been distorted by that disaster, and he has to encase himself in his armor to survive because mm. of that yeah. gravity distortion. What do we know about the Nile? They all are like all their heads are encased in like heavy metal helmets. Like mm -hmm. They're almost all of them are encased in this like this this heavy overbearing, you know. Uh, armor. Yeah, I I love this idea. Uh, full disclosure: Grant mentioned a little bit of this via text, and the second he said Nile, Darth Nihilus and Nile and the Nile, I literally slapped my head with my palm because. How did I not put that together? Right. Like this idea of like we have something yeah. with the same origins. It just makes sense that they might recanonize. And then I think we were texting back and forth and I started texting. There's a lot of this where like Grant and I are texting at the exact writing a text at the exact same time. And then we had said and they say the polar opposite thing, which is I love, <laughs> which is so much fun. And my my text was originally um, I really don't I really don't want them to be force user or have any connection to the force. I love the idea of just a non force threat. And Grant had an opposite idea that I love. And usually what happens with this is then Grant's comes through immediately and I just write back, I'm wrong. I like Grant's better. So Grant, what was your <laughs> thought about this? Because I love this idea. Do you remember? Am well, I putting you on the spot? You are putting me on the spot because I don't know specifically which text. I think we've texted each other probably 5,000 times in like the last three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want a little, little like a uh, little refresher 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 so you i know we text a lot so it was a little unfair to put you on the spot but you talked about the fact that maybe they're kind of like vampires right this idea that that they don't really have force powers but they kind of their their connection to the force is that they consume the energy the of hunger, others hunger. the hunger yeah the hunger. yeah uh, right because the we know darth nihilus was a sith lord of hunger and, yeah uh, he uh, would he would destroy, he would eat planets and like eat and sustain himself off all, all the force energy from a planet. And I don't I don't know what's more nihilistic than just destroying a planet on a whim. Yeah, for food, just for, just for eat. Like that is yeah. What is that? It's like, know? do I want a bag of Doritos? Do I want a calzone? No nope. planet. I want a planet. I could see a lot of cultists rallying no, around that calzone themselves. The Nile. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, easily. But I don't think they need to force abilities, like per se. I don't think they. You're saying just there's a hunger to like maybe vamp people or siphon the force from people or something. Yeah, that's not. They're not really like they're not. 
using they're lightsabers. Energy. They're not doing anything, but they're en- yeah, energy vampires. <laughs> um, I, I do want to shout out because we kind of talked about old Republic stuff. We did get a um, a question kind of on our Discord by by one of our one of our listeners, uh, Casual Jason, who asked, "Are you generally okay with collapsing slash absorbing the old Republic stories into the High Republic?" And um, Grant, kind of based on your idea, it sounds like you're you're pretty if cool with some of that. That's how they want to do. If if they want to do something like that, I'm I'm open arms. Like I love that idea. Um, yeah. Also, something else that just uh, another connection I just made is that it, the the Nile remind me of the Wild Hunt from The Witcher. Like, do you know the the do, do you yeah. have Witcher game? Yeah. Those guys would just like bust out of re- like portals and like gravity distortion and just appear, and they were this <laughs> kind of like traveling band of raiders hunters essentially but they look like a raiding party because they look intimidating you know and they just would just come Mm. out of a portal and like raid for like supernatural beings and then like go through a portal and disappear again and i was like that's i i kind of getting that feeling from the nile just like if they they are connected to the great disaster and hyperspace travel or gravity distortion or whatever you know but yeah interesting yeah I mean, for me, I'm totally okay with it. I never played the uh, Nice of the Old Republic, you know, uh, games. I mean, I actually did play one for a minute until my iPad couldn't handle it anymore and just died. But, um, I mean, they seem super amazing and it's fantastic. But, yeah, for me, the more that Lucasfilm wraps its arms around the EU, I think is the better. Because uh, yeah. there's a lot of good stuff there, and if they, you know, pick and choose and find the best stuff and and do it, that's great. I mean, they did it with Thrawn, and it's worked fantastic. Lee, yep. I don't know. I'll just make an adverb out of that, but um, they've uh, they've done it in great ways, and um, there's a lot of amazing stuff in the EU. So I think, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's just fold it right in. I mean, yeah, I I, he, I know for a lot of people, idol. it's cherished like realm to like really answer casual jason's point like i understand like this is cherished ground it's holy you know holy ground but like i think i don't know i mean now you get the stuff you love and you get a new thing yeah at the same time you know exactly so it's like let's just get now you have new content and it's a little bit more and um now it's canonized and it might be on the big screen it might be on the comics like I, i i just think more is better always and um if they end up covering the thing is is so far they've been very respectful for of legends and haven't like trampled on other legends stuff uh egregiously right so i don't think they'll do it in an offensive way i think Mm. if they cover similar ground it will fit like a puzzle piece rather than uh just trample on it my understanding of the story group is that the philosophy is that anything unless otherwise directly contradicted you can consider still canon from legends, right? And yeah. so, and so, you can read the old EU, you know, old Republic, anything in the past, and just assume that's canonless, otherwise told. And so, I don't think right. they're ever going to actively. Now, I feel like we've had the word recanonize. I'm going to say decanonize or uncanonize. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're actively going to go through and trample, as you mentioned, trample over that stuff because it yeah. is held in high regard. It's tougher with the stuff post 
um, the original trilogy because they had to tell a sequel trilogy. So yes, you have to get rid of Jason and Jana and Anakin Skywalker oh, okay. and Ben and Ben Skywalker. You have to get rid of that stuff, unfortunately. But the stuff previous in the past, I think they're just not going to touch unless they can find a way, like you mentioned, Thrawn and actually bring it into the story. They're just going right. to say, yep, it exists. If we didn't say it, it didn't exist. So you can pretend it exists for now. Yeah. I wonder if that's why they've been resistant to doing an old Republic movie or TV show, because I feel like that's been hinted at for so long. And the, and there's a big contingent who have been wanting that and they just haven't done it. And I wonder if part of them is that they don't want to do it because if they do it. They're not going to do it exactly as it was done in the past. And that opens you up to people kind of just being like, yeah, that's not what I read. And another thing. Yeah. Well, actually, a central focus now is the Mandalorian history. Like I think a lot yeah. of people, a lot of fans now are being redirected to the Mandalorians. And I think we want to know where their big wars were in the past. Mm, and I think mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the High Republic going to touch on any of that? Is it eventually going to get there and explore Mandalorians? Maybe, maybe in Phase Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah could get there. I feel like so much of Star Wars, and and for understandable reasons, are is everyone just trying to stay out of each other's lanes? Right. So I feel like they probably want to talk about Mandalorian, but they also want to talk to John Favreau and, and Dave Filoni and be like, is can we do this? Is it going to trample on it? And if and if Dave Filoni and John Favreau say, well, this is something we may explore in a later season, they're just like, OK, we just won't talk about the Mandalorian. Yes, yeah. I'm sure that I mean, every it seems like every creator based on who we've talked to is given a list of things they can and cannot do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is, you know, this is an A plus group of um, authors that have done, you know, Star Wars books in the past. And yep. they've been given pretty much free reign to just create in this world. But it, they did suggest, uh, maybe it was Siglin that, that uh, mentioned it, that they would tie into the Skywalker side. Like they're like, I, we're yeah. going to get back. They're like, don't worry. Like, we're going to actually bring you, you know, there will be references to the Skywalker saga somehow, which is cool. I mean, we all love, you know, Easter eggs and things that point towards the things we love in uh, the Star Wars galaxy, but not really necessary here, um, but interesting. So nah. I hope it's done deftly and lightly that maybe it's just for there. If you care about it, don't don't shoehorn it in. But I mean. There are multiple philosoph- or um, uh, um, prophecies floating around, right? There's the yeah. Chosen One prophecy. There's the Dyad. They don't call it a Dyad prophecy, but it is basically a prophecy. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that stuff pops up in there. Oh, some Dyad stuff? That would be mm-hmm. a hot mess. I think they want to. Yeah, but I think they want to bring it in and try to make that as, as try to justify that as much as possible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I know we talked earlier on about um, Rise of Skywalker, but like it it can serve in a lot of different ways. Yes, it seems sort of pithy and light compared to some of the other like really heavier hitting movies. But it, like it also sprung forth. It's this like font of storylines that are you're like, wait, what? On like yeah. every yeah. beat of that movie. And I, that's what I really like about it. Um and so, you know, it can lead to all these other right. different stories it's that tie into that. Rife with lore drops. Yeah, it's kind of like the ultimate mystery box. Like, yes, he answered a bunch of things, but JJ also opened this massive Pandora's, you know, box of storylines and theories and thoughts and plot lines. 
I mean, to its detriment, right? We watched the the movie and we're like, wait, what though? Like, what what's going on? What with Snoke? What with like, you know? But like, a, a, it it could pay off in the future where it's like, all right, these questions that you had will be answered. You enjoyed the movie. It was fun. It was an action movie. But all these other little you know questions that came out in there will be answered in um, yeah. various media. So yeah, so yeah, uh, here we are. I, um, I cannot wait for this series. I, I there's I was talking with my wife in the car earlier of like, oh, I didn't do my homework for the podcast tonight. I have to read, I have to read uh, these these things that happened. And she was like, oh, tell me about it. I told her about it. She seemed interested in it. And then I was just like, it's really funny how I'm so excited for a thing that doesn't have a movie coming out for probably five years. <laughs> like, like I know they're saying 2022 is, it's, they said 2022 is going to be in the movie. It's not going to be. No. Mando in less than tw- in 20 days, we have Mando. We have Mando. We have Mando going on. We have this book series going on. We have other series going on. There was some there was some stuff about Obi-Wan that came out today that they're going to start shooting in March of next year. Like, I, like there's just so much going on that I'm like, it's weird for a, a, for a thing that, for a property that was so revolved around movies for me growing up that right. I'm least interested in movies right now don't get me wrong the second they announce the next movie we're going to be talking about it non-stop but right now i keep forgetting there are star wars movies i want to see the tv shows and read the books and read the comics like they did such a good job for me of just like expanding this into other into other areas yeah you know what i think that we want to show is every third episode he's allowed to pull out his lightsaber like every three episodes he pulls yeah yeah you know what I mean? Where it's just yeah. like yeah. he does a lot with mind tricking and just talking his way, charisma and whatnot, and then he pulls yeah. the lightsaber only like you know once in a while, limited, limited, limited amounts. Lights, but but no, but he should pull. He should ignite. Yes. Oh yeah. Times because yeah. he does that. He just uses it when he he needs I to. Mean, right, as a utility. He basically right. pulls it out in the middle of a bar. Like yeah. he's clearly willing to use this thing. <laughs> he's willing to, to settle use a bar this fight. Is my favorite. Hey, sort not of even a bar fight. Not just hey, I shoved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but was it not settled immediately? Oh, immediately. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all fun and games till someone loses an arm and then they're like, "All right, bar fight over." I also love that you have to retcon that that he turned down the ability of the lightsaber so that it didn't just like shear off an arm and uh, and cauterize it. That he actually somehow turned the level down that it actually just chopped off an arm and let it bleed. And like that's hardcore. It- <laughs> yeah, that is the most metal thing that Obi-Wan's ever done. <laughs> Obi-Wan is metal. Yeah. Look, good against remotes is one thing. Good against the living, that's something else. All right, here we are for Good Against Remotes. This is our video game special. And uh, we're going to do a little uh, catch-up here on Squadrons and see where everyone is at. I got to say, guys, I am liking the TIE Reaper more and more, and the U-Wing, the support class. I think they're they're big game changers, and uh, I'm trying them, them out more and more and using them for, uh, you know, to support my team and uh, and then playing as a fighter and getting buffs by the support class is pretty useful too. And, and people like, if you're not getting those buffs, I don't know if you're going to win that match. So are you like straight multiplayer now? You're just like doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm still deep in the multiplayer. I'm trying, I'm, I'm really trying to rank up as quick as I can. Nice. Customize my 
TIE fighter. What's what's the fastest way to rank up? I mean, because I know you can rank up during dogfights, but do you rank up faster? I don't think you, you can't. You no, you can't rank rank up during dogfights. It's just ranked. Uh, it's the fleet, fleet rank. Battles. Yeah, I mean, you can you can. I mean, level I ranked down. from zero to five in dogfights. Okay, so we're talking about two different things: levels versus ranking. Oh, so, Grant, Grant. Ben, you're you're leveling up in dogfights, and Grant, you're ranking up in the fleet battles. Okay, and, and also leveling precisely. Up. Precisely. Yeah. Okay, so you've what's your level and what's your rank, Grant, at this point? I don't know what my level is. I'm rank thirteen. Okay. And Adam, have you ranked at all? I have just last night, but I don't know what it is. So I'm level twelve, and I've ranked in the second rank over. So it's the um, I have to look what it is, but nothing impressive. Let's put it that way. I mean, oh. you know, impressive oh, rankings. Oh, whatever. maybe I'm ranking. Maybe I am that same ranking as you then, Adam, because maybe my level is. Uh, I think you're level 13. I didn't want to correct you. And then you're no, ranked you're... probably where I am, which is like I, they have titles, which is like I know what the top is. The top is hero and then ace. But I think I'm like whatever the second one is, which isn't like the lamest one. But it's um a lot of it's based on how much you play. Right. I feel like a lot of that point is like because I noticed I, I played I I. I played 10 fleet battles. You have to play 10 fleet feet, 10 fleet battles in order to actually get into the ranking system. And so I finally got past that last night. And then I played an 11th one and I jumped up a little bit and I don't think I did very good in that, but I did so enough. It's based to on jump how you do in those 10 matches. That's where they kind of put it's you. Your right. Yeah. Okay, cool. I thought I was, I always thought it was that number right there, but I guess that's, that I think that's your level. level. Okay. Yeah. I haven't played for a minute because Baldur's Gate 3 came out, <laughs> uh, full disclosure. And I've played a lot. In the Childhood favorite of mine. And it's pretty good. I know it's getting a lot of flack right now, but it's pretty good. I encourage people to try it out. They play yeah. the old one. I've been playing a lot of like middle of the night games from like midnight to 3 a.m. And that's an interesting group of people you're playing with because I feel like I'm playing with a lot of like Europeans or someone else. Like it's, it's, it's like it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's that game is. I feel like I'm so streaky in that game where I'll have a fleet battle where I'm just like, like dominating. Where I have like, there are two in a row where I got twenty mid twenties kills, and I was the number one in terms of points. And then the next one, I was like seven out of ten. So my go to unless I'm trying to get so I do objectives during like trying to get clear out some of the objectives objectives. But if I just to get my choice. I am now fully tie interceptor or a wing. Just speed. Go over the yeah. speed. Speed and dogfighting. Get away, right? Just to so get away from. I only target. So when you can change your targeting ability, I only target other active players. So all I do is dogfight. I don't go after their objectives. I don't do anything else. I'm just constantly dogfighting. Nope. All I'm doing is dogfighting because I hate going after the capital ships. You just fly at them. They blow you up. It's pointless. I just dogfight because that's the only thing that's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I noticed with this game is like when you fly at capital ships or in objectives, they will mess you up. They will they will ruin you. It's it's you're like, oh, yeah, put your all your shields on front and then put them on yep. back when you fly away. But like there are ways to attack them, but still they, they will mess you up They're They're like those turbo lasers like one shot you. And I think missiles deploy yeah. from those things yeah. as well. Yeah. By the way, the best missile update or thing you can get is the redirect missiles. Have you put oh, those yeah, on your ships? Incredible. That's all I ever do that's is incredible. just wait till they get right there, redirect them, and I kill people like crazy. It's great. By, right. by the way, guys, 
I love this game. I, Ben, I, you know, I always appreciated your connection to Battlefront 2 and watching you play that. And now I feel like spiritually connected to you because the way I play <laughs> this game is the way you play Battlefront 2. Like, for some reason, I was talking to my wife about this. Like, I don't get first person shooters, I don't get certain like multiplayer games, but like multiplayer flight sims, I get. Like, right. I am all yeah, in. That's, yeah. That's all you. Nice. I, I hope to join you. I'm gonna try and um and get there. I just haven't had the time, which is weird to say in a pandemic, but um I haven't had the like yeah. quality like segment of time to get into it. Um and but what I've done has been fun. Um it's been a good time and um but like now that I know you guys are way past me, I've gotta catch up and uh, <laughs> I can't I can't wait to spend some time and, and rank up a little bit. Grant, how are you doing, man? What's I'm doing your, fantastic. Your like? uh, I'm still, I think I'm one of the early, I'm still midway through the story. Um, or working my way through that. Uh, I am playing, I actually am liking the X-Wing a lot. I think I mm. like the rounded build for the yeah. Rebels. I was using yeah. the A-Wing a lot, but I feel like it's just the A-Wing I get plucked out of the out of space, you know, right away. Something just... Mm -hmm lasers get me or right x-wings are kind of hardy and i can i sometimes boost shields i divert to shields sometimes in the x-wing especially yep. when yep. we're assaulting the capital ships towards the end there i kind of i fly i fly high above the capital ship boost shields now and again just to, when i'm getting you know yeah slack. i might try that i actually might try flying x-wing for new republic and then tie interceptors for the empire yeah, interceptors really? are just so much fun. But I'm starting to like the cockpit of the regular TIE fighter. Like, I just mm. kind of like that. Look. Yeah, I've been the, enjoying the, the TIE fighter myself. It, like, I, I don't know. They they actually have a little bigger shields, and um, they have impressive firepower. Um, and there's something just so comforting about being in the uh, cockpit of, a, you know, just a TIE fighter, standard, standard TIE uh, fighter. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I've... I do like switching to the Y wing and the bomber. I do. I Ooh. don't think they're just cannon fodder. I think they actually. Oh do no, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really, they're, they're really solid. Yeah, um, they have the like auto target I, um, lasers on the like Y wing bomber, and like, I mean, I've seen people just slay in a dogfight with using that. I think they've done a good job with balancing because like, so I have my favorites, but as I mentioned before, I'll go through the daily challenges, which I like because they require you to play as a Y wing or a tie bomber. And whenever I have to play as those, I don't feel like I'm not like, Oh, I have to play as this. I actually look forward to having a little bit of time in behind the cockpit of a something other than the one I normally go with. Uh, one thing I would add to this game, it's why would you ever nitpick this game? This game is honestly, no, it's perfect. It's fine. There's but, uh, always, it's what we do. Bad. Yeah. But I fly through so many explosions in, the, in this game. What would have been cool or what they could patch in is a sort of animation of like sparks tumbling off your windshield and kind of oh, like the yeah. explosion clinging to your vessel a little bit yeah. like that would be interesting because i fly through so many explosions. I was really yeah. worried you're going to ask for bodies floating through space. No, 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 no way. Um, no, just, you guys just have some a, windshield animation, I think. Do you have a favorite map? By the way, this is me asking without being able to name any of the maps, but you can describe it. Do you have like a favorite one to play in yet? Have you gotten there yet? It's okay uh, if you haven't. No pressure. Yet. No, I haven't. No. 
So my favorite, this is basically me a way of asking a question that I wanted to answer, but I want to give you guys a chance first. Is it the, the Kessel Run one that looks like the Kessel Run? Where it's no, like, though I do like the tunnel cycle. one. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, I There's another one that's just all like meteorites and like that you're, dry, you're yeah, flying that through. Cool. That one playing as a TIE Interceptor, that's the one I keep getting. Like I always get in the mid-20s for kills with that because I can just like for some reason just watching like I'm just able to fly through it. The Yavin, which is that one we played at, that's just that wide open space. That one's a killer. I do yeah. not know how to play that one oh, at all. I've not figured that one out. I wide hate open, that one. Wide open space. There's a couple no of cover. those that are just like open air. And yeah. like, I mean, I know we had talked about it like in. It's like, uh, are they with that like, within 1,000 meters or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But like you just like the people know where your spawns are and they camp it, you know? Yeah. So like. Totally. You come out and then like someone's flanking you and shooting like all their missiles at your face and you're done before you even know where the like the enemies are. And yeah, it's amazing. Like, I feel like I'm middling in this game. Like, I'm good, but I'm not amazing. And then you'll be paired with someone who's just like, yeah, killing it. And I'm like, what what is your life? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I'm like, like, who are you? Like, how do you do this? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like people you're just going head on and you see someone else and they just you both deploy everything. <laughs> like, that right. Yeah, there's like, a lot of that. Every time. That. That's how I started <laughs> every match off. <laughs> it's every time for me. Yeah. And then what I'm thinking would this is strange. I'm gonna go on another kind of tangent here, but what Do could it. be interesting is if when you're spawn, you're kind of on rails and it brings you to the battle in a way where it's like yeah. Break attack formation and it just throws you like on a randomized kind of like you know ball and cup maneuver like into a random area of the, a vector of space and then you yeah. approach from there and then that would get rid of all the that would get rid of the uh, the whole Spawn going head on with someone and just firing everything. It would also get rid of me checking my phone when I'm four thousand yeah. meters away and I'm just yeah. full blasting engines and I'm like, well, yeah. I got a minute here. So let's see, <laughs> let's see if five thirty eight's updated the uh, the polls yet. Let me check out that. Oh, okay, now I can are actually. Doing, play. Are we fourteen points or are we twenty points? I don't know. Yeah, that would be like, cinematic, right? If they, if you win with a bunch of fighters yeah, in a formation, that. then like ties come in and it's like break formation and then like it just it kind of throws you in a vector because those AI ties do nothing. What if you just no. had them in on railed uh, yeah. on rails animations using them? now and again that would be cool but i love this game that, game is perfect. very excited it's very it's very like you just do the same thing over and over and over again but i like the same thing i'm doing over and over and over again so i'm happy it's like ben with battlefront 2 indeed yeah. indeed I that's really the way like, it sounds yeah. I, I can't wait to jump in a little harder on this so i can uh, hang with y'all um yeah so play battle uh play squadrons <laughs> give it a shot or battlefront, battlefront 2 is still there too keep it alive um, I know the squadrons fallen Jedi. <laughs> yeah, fallen order too, man. It's still out there. So we yeah. we've got a plethora of games that are still alive right now, which is super. Um, yeah. So uh, great work, y'all. Um, thanks very much for listening to us. And as always, uh, may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.